stuff we do. Good morning, everyone. So did you have a good Thanksgiving? And then, you know, we've been just thanking God all month long, right? Today I'm thankful for, today I'm thankful for, and then the stuff we do. Just a few hours before that, those people were sitting around their tables saying grace and being thankful for everything they had, and then they couldn't wait to tear each other apart to get some more stuff, right? Yeah, the stuff we do. That's what this message is about this morning. Our stuff we do has to match the stuff we proclaim. Okay, and you know what? It really does. You may think that, no, really, you get in those emotional, now some people say, I'm just a hothead, I got a temper. When you get in those emotional times, that's normally when the real you comes out. We really find out what's in there. So let's make sure that our, our stuff that we do matches who we say we are. Yeah, you know, because where we've gotten to this thing, I mean, anybody work in retail industry? Anybody work retail? Yeah, you enjoy the holidays, right, working at retail, right? First service, I had a couple. I didn't even have to ask them to raise their hand. They were already nodding their head. Hate, I mean, we're, turn, we're turning the holiday season, Thanksgiving and Christmas, into a time a lot of people can't stand. A lot of people, you know, we're, we're turning that in. And, and you know what, we, we, we can't change this country. We can't change this world, but we can change our part of it. We can change our attitudes about it. And, and, you know, I hadn't thought about this, but just sitting there, I wonder you know, how, how crazy that video was, just a few hours difference. I wonder what God thinks when he sees that. He hears those prayers. Just a few hours later, he sees those mobs. Man, we, we, need, we need to refocus. We need to get back to, some, uh, get back to some priority of what's really important in our life and in these countries, in our country, in our lives. Um, let me, let me tell you this, and we're going to have a word of prayer. Is at the end of this message, I'm going to ask you to get someone on your heart that needs God in their lives. Okay? So I want to go ahead and put you on notice. Some of you already thought of somebody right then. God's going to bring somebody to some of your, your mind in just a few moments. Sometime during this sermon, maybe. And, and it could be somebody that doesn't know Jesus, or maybe somebody that's been a Christian for a long time, but they've got a situation, and they need God in their lives right now. So I'll get... Get somebody in your mind. Uh, I'm going to bring that back to you at the close, okay? And we've we got, we got a whole lot of people sick today. Um, this is a good, pretty good crowd for this service. The first two are really low, which I think I see some. Maybe some of you Alabama fans couldn't quite get up this morning. Maybe you weren't at the early service. But, uh, but you know, this is that, uh, you know, hand sanitizer and fist bump season, right? So uh, we've got to pray. And, and I'll miss some if I start calling names. But we got a lot of people sick and, uh, but let's not just pray for them. Let's pray for all of us because, uh, there, but by the grace of God, go we, you know, all of us going to have it too. If, uh, if we don't pray uh, for our whole church, let's just put our church under the covering of prayer. Let's pray. Father, I love you and thank you God for the many abundant blessings that you have given to us. God, I thank you, Lord. I, I, we're just so stinking, spoiled, blessed God with overflow more than we could ever enjoy. God, uh, again, thinking this morning, I've thrown away more in this week than many people in this world will have in an entire year. God, I am so blessed. Help us focus. Help us remember what's really, truly important. And God, for our, for our actions to match our profession. And God, I pray for all of those that are sick, and for our whole church, God, uh, especially those with kids and families, God, that are connected to schools and daycares. God, I just pray, God, a, a healing for those that are sick and health, God, 
protection and strength for those, God, who have to come in contact with this. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay, so when I'm online, sometimes I'm online on Facebook, you know, I'm checking on you guys, see if anybody's sick or whatever, what's going on. It's really good, you know. I didn't really like Facebook at first, but I finally had to get on there because everybody was getting on there. It's a place to talk to everybody, connect. You know, it's one of the best places to actually get our word out on what's going on in the church, like if we have an emergency announcement or whatever. So, you know, you had to. Or, or I've got articles that I read a lot. I've got some that are emailed to me, updates, you know, on leadership and pastoral kind of things. I'm amused when I read some of the theological dissertations that people put online, you know? They just go deep and deep. I think they even go deeper than God sometimes, you know? <laughs> And then I wonder, well, you know, I get amused, and sometimes I get dismayed. Sometimes I get discouraged. Sometimes I want to shout and pull my hair out, what I got left. You know, but I just, anyway, there's one in the past couple of weeks that ended up being a really good introduction to this message, I think. Uh, an article that a guy wrote, and it was one, I really wasn't, I just thought, man, you just, you just went a little too deep here, you know. And, uh, and then I started researching, there are a lot of people out there thinking this, so I had to, you know, Google this and figure that out, and, and, uh, and, and it's this, and, and here, here's, here's a part of the problem I think that we have in church when we have arguments a lot of times, you know, and I mean over theological issues, and I mean maybe sometimes between churches, sometimes, you know, just uh, across the aisle, you know, with somebody, theological arguments, is because it's so easy to take just a little something to God and run and run and run and run with it till you're not in contact with anybody else, not even God sometimes anymore, you know. And everybody else is running off somewhere else, and then like we're arguing, no, you need to be over here doing this, and no, the Scripture says you need to be doing this, and we, and we do that. Here's an example, and it's this argument between orthodoxy and orthopraxy, okay? Now, anybody want to stand up and uh, give us the definitions of those two, all right? Nobody? Okay, then I'll, I'll bring it to you, all right? I, I've got them for you this morning. I know, it's, this is crazy, isn't it? This is the stuff we do. I mean, orthodox, meaning conforming to the approved form of any doctrine. It's from the Greek orthos, which is, means correct, and doxa, which means belief. So it means to believe correct stuff, okay? It's to believe the right things. Then there's orthopraxy, which is the belief that right action is as important as religious faith. That's kind of weird, isn't it? The belief that right action is as important as belief. The belief that right action is as important as belief. That's kind of weird, isn't it? It's from the Greek, orthos, again, correct, and praxis, action. Now, uh, so it means, it basically means doing the right things, acting in the right way. So what's more important, that you believe or, or, or that you act right? And the guy that's writing this article that kind of stirred this in me this week, and I kind of like got amused at him, is, is, is his, his whole theory was that the, the Old Testament was, was about the uh, orthopraxy, you know, the, the correct action, the things you do because, you know, you have to show up at the temple, you have to bring the, uh, the sacrifice, you have to do these things, do these things, the ceremonial washings and all that stuff. Can't go anywhere, you know, on the Sabbath. Got to stay real close to home and all that kind of stuff. That's the Old Testament. And, and it was just all about everything you do, everything you do, everything you do. And there was really no place for faith in the Old Testament. And I'm like, really? Is that what you read in the, in the Old Testament? Is there nobody that had faith in the Old Testament? You need to read some of the stories I read. Man, no, there was a lot of faith in the Old Testament. Men and God, uh, men, uh, men of God and women of God that had faith in him. And so then he goes on and says the New Testament is about orthodox, about belief, because it's about having faith in Jesus Christ. It's not about works, lest any man should boast, but having faith in 
Basically, there's no reason for works. Really? Again? I was like, again? You know, no. Here's the thing. See, he's gone off in this direction, like, boom, gone off in one, one direction, taking this as far as he can, and he's just left all the rest of us behind. The reality is there's, there's always balance in everything. And the Old Testament and the New Testament are not competing. You know, Jesus said, what did he say about it? He said, I didn't come to do away with the Old Testament or the law. That he, that's what they called it. He said, I came to fulfill it. The Old Testament and the New Testament, they're the same thing. It's just the Old Testament, Paul instructs us. So the Old Testament just brought us along as a schoolmaster to get to the New Testament or the better covenant. They're the same thing, okay? So what, it, what, what I'm saying to you is both of these are important. Balance, and they have to match. Got scripture for that? Yes, I've got scripture for that. You know why? Because there's only one bit of wisdom in this world that is absolute and supreme. Everything else is balance. But the Word of God, there's no balance. It is always right. It is always, it is always stable. It's always something. You, and so, yeah, I'm going to take you to Scripture because if I don't have Scripture for it, we're not going to preach it here, okay? But I'm taking it to James chapter 2. And, and this morning, uh, I, I'm, I don't use the message a lot like for my sermon text a lot because, you know, it, it's, it's an amplification, meaning that it explains uh, the Word than, than just translating it. But there were some things in the message I just, I just had to use this morning. So we're using the message, uh, James chapter 2, beginning of verse 14. Dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? I'm, I'm really already struggling with stopping here and preaching for about 10 minutes on every one of these little phrases. For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, Good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And you walk off without providing so much as a coat or a cup of soup. Where does that get you? If that's you, I hope you're not the person who passes me on the side of the road when i got a flat tire. And you say, I hope that tire gets filled back up with air, right, and keeps going, right? I mean, where, where does that get us? Uh, isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? I can already hear one of you agreeing by saying, sounds good, you take care of the faith department, I'll handle the works department. Not so fast. You can no more show me your works apart from your faith than I can show you my faith apart from my works. Faith and works, works and faith, fit together, hand in glove. Do I hear you professing to believe in the one and only God, but then observe you complacently sitting back as if you had done something wonderful? That's just great. Demons do that, but what good does it do them? Use your heads. Do you suppose for a minute that you can cut faith and works in two and not end up with a corpse on your hand? And skip down to verse 26. The very moment you separate body and spirit, you end up with a corpse. Separate faith and works, and you get the same thing, a corpse. What we profess must also be lived out in what we do. And at 29.11, this is the basis, the reason for this message this morning, is the stuff we do. The stuff, the reason we do what we do around here is because that's what we believe. You know, there, there, are, people, there are people that ask me all the time, why do y'all do that? It's because that's what we believe. Now, I don't, I don't want to... I don't want to down any, any church, okay? But I've pastored them, okay? I've pastored them. So I can tell you, I've been there. I'm not talking about the one down the street, one up the road. I'm talking about churches I've pastored, where I've banged my head against the wall, where we've talked about this is who we are, and that that ain't who we are. 
You know, they're saying, this is who we are, and I'm looking at it. That ain't who you are. We talk about love and acceptance and forgiveness, and then somebody walks in off the street, and they don't look like us, act like us, talk like us. And they don't, you know, and we know them because everybody in town whispers about them and the stuff they were caught in or they did, and everybody knows about what they're doing. And we're scared to even shake their hand and let somebody know we might know who they are. And that's, that's when I banged my head against the wall and said, no, no, no. I, I mean, I had a church one time. I, they, you know, you hear me say some things over and over and over because I'm really trying to get you to understand it. One of the things they heard me say over and over and over and over, I said, is, is this. If a black homosexual prostitute in a string bikini came in and sat down on the back row, we better be able to minister to them. And they heard me say that over and over. I don't think they knew what it meant, but they heard me say it over and over and over. You know, but we say it. We say, we say, this is who we are. But if we don't, aren't, you know, if our God acts are not matching our God talk, we need to change some things. And this is really a message toward the church, 2911. I got one little thing here for you individually, all right? I want you to get this. Okay, let's go, let's go to Scripture. James chapter 2. Uh, uh, this was um, in the same place we were at just a few moments ago, but we skipped a few verses. Here, here's, uh, here's three of them right here, verse 21. And, and he says, Wasn't our ancestor, Abraham, made right with God by works when he placed his son Isaac on the sacrificial altar? That's a whole story by itself. If you don't understand, ask me later. Isn't it obvious that faith and works are yoked partners? That faith expresses itself in works. That the works are works of faith. It's my faith doing stuff with my hands or, or my feet or whatever. The full meaning of believe in the scripture sentence, Abraham believed God and was set right with God. The full meaning of that of believe there includes his actions. It's not just his faith, but it's his actions. If you go back and look at the story, what Paul, uh, I'm sorry, what James is saying is the full meaning of this word believe includes his actions. Look at the story. That's what it's all about, the faith and the actions. And here he draws it together. It's that mesh of believing and acting, that mesh that got Abraham named God's friend. Is it not evident that a person is made right with God not by a barren faith, but by faith fruitful in works? Oh, man, see, I told you, there's a lot there in the message. That's why I wanted to read that one to you today. But look at what it said there. You know, the several blessings to, to, to Abraham. He was called God's friend. Isn't that awesome? Wouldn't it be an awesome thing to be called God's friend? I, I think we are. But Abraham was. And also that he was set right with God. Here's something individual for you, even though this message is really like to us as a church, the stuff we do as a church, but individually. Is there a place in your life that's not right? Maybe just a place that you've prayed and prayed and you, you, you've, you've confessed and, and you, you've called on the scriptures and, and you, you've, you've prophesied over it. You've done everything you can. You've done everything you can in your, in your God talk and it's not working. Or you've worked on it. You, you've hammered away at it. You've done everything you know to do in your God acts of your life and it's not working. Here's your key. Make sure your God walk is matching your God talk. Amen. That your acts are matching what you profess. Because if you're professing one thing on a Sunday morning, if you're professing, God, we're so thankful for you, and then you want to tear somebody apart because they got the last big screen TV. I mean, you know, there, there's more problems in that than that you've just got a temper. There's more problems in that. So make sure it matches. So look at what places of your life 
or not. Okay, now, now the first part of this message was a little, little deep. You know, we got into some orthodoxy and orthopraxy and, you know, Greek and that kind of stuff. And the rest of this is going to be really, really just, just practical, okay? Just practical. Here's some practical ways we are who we say we are at 2911. And, and look at these and think about how you can be who you say you are. And listen, if this is your church, if this is your church, then you say you believe these things. So you need to help us become those, you know, make sure we stay those things every single day and week that we continue to do it because this is who we say we are. And if we're not, we need to quit lying about it and let's start saying who we really are. Okay, so, so let's go. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Okay, everybody that believes that scripture, raise your hand. Oh, put your hands down. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. It's God's word, right? Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter. We don't get to vote on these scriptures, whether we believe them or not. It's God's word. But the problem is, is we read them and we say, yes, I believe that, and then we don't do anything with it. I mean, the reason that we come together, like we're together right now, the reason we come together is why? So we can work, well, yeah, but the reason, he says right here, is to encourage one another and build one another up. You've heard us say, you've heard me say, you've heard it said around here, this is not the goal. This is not the end. This is not the reason 2911 is here so we can have great church. on. This is just the beginning. This is the place where you get challenged and, and God challenges your spirit and you get filled up and, and when you've had a rough week, somebody pats you on the back and says, you can make it and somebody says, yeah, come on, let's do it. And, and, and listen, at the end of this message today, I'm going I'm to ask, that's one of the things I want to do is I want to encourage you. I want to be praying with you about somebody that's on your heart. Okay, and that's what we're here for. This is just the beginning. It's just a place to be encouraged. That's one of the reasons I wanted to encourage you guys last night, especially you Alabama fans. I don't know if you saw my Facebook post last night. Anybody else? A few hands going up, yeah. Uh, my, my little Twitter, I know some of you saw it. Some of you favorited it or, or uh, you shared it or whatever. And uh, uh, 50-something liked it. Let's say even two hours later, 54, uh, 5, 6, 57 people had liked it. And, you know, by then... and. You know what it said? It just said this. It just said, speaking as an Alabama fan, I said that because I, I didn't want Alabama fans to get mad at me. I wanted them to know, hey, I'm an Alabama fan too, okay? Speaking as an Alabama fan, we learned tonight that Nick Saban isn't God. So let's get up and get to church tomorrow and worship the one who is. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Go, go. You go ahead and do that. Yeah, you give God praise. Oh, uh, yeah, and I, uh, one of my, uh, I got a cousin. Okay, now you're going to go in there and you're going to read and say what my cousin said. And I got a cousin. He's kind of like, yeah, yeah, leave it to a preacher, whatever. Yeah. That's what we're supposed to be doing, aren't we? Aren't we supposed to be taking this stuff and encouraging one another? And so I had somebody ask me between the first and second service, Pastor, how you doing after that game yesterday? I said, you know, it used to tear me up. And I finally got to realizing, you know, there's a lot more important things than whether Alabama gets another crystal football, you know? There's a whole lot more important. And, and, and after I posted this, my cousin who has a, has a, 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 recover, a, a disaster relief ministry, he posted, he, he said, really disappointed about the game. Uh, and this uh, paraphrase, I don't remember exactly what he said. Really disappointed about the game. But he said, losing reminds me that it's not the most important thing. There are more things, things more important and more priority in this world. You know, and sometimes we need to lose just for that reason. I'm not talking about Alabama. I'm talking about us, all of us. Sometimes we need to, because as long as we win, man, we think everything's wonderful, hunky-dory. You know, we're, we're just perfect. Sometimes we need to lose. Sometimes we need to stub our toe and, say, and make a mistake. I'm sorry, please forgive me. We need to do that to remember that there are more important things than winning a contest 
or something else. And so we come together to encourage one another and remind, you know, hey, yeah, you know what? I've been able to kind of celebrate with Auburn fans today because, my goodness, you know, we got out coached. And all, uh, let's not get into all that. But I mean, you know, I've been able to kind of celebrate with that. Say, so, you know, you guys did a great job and every, you know, and all that and all that and some things that, you know, think about it, I'm, you know, because I'm not just an Alabama fan. I'm a football fan. So I can enjoy that and get into it and everything because the most important thing is not that. Set it aside. This is the most important thing right now. We need to be encouraged. And my goodness, you know, there, there are Alabama fans who couldn't get out of bed this morning. Uh, there are Alabama fans who, who, who couldn't even think about going to church and worshiping. And we got a problem. If there is anything else in our life that can get in between us and worshiping God, and whether it's a football game or anything else, if there's anything in between us and worshiping God, we got a problem. Amen. We do. We need to focus. So we do this. You know, you don't, you're not just here for yourself. You're not just here to get something. You're here to give something. Amen. You know, if only two people showed up in the early service, only two people showed up in late service, that would be discouraging to me. Would it, would it not be? Imagine the two people that came to hear the message, you know. Just that would be discouraged. You are encouraging just by being here. Your smile on your face, walking in the door. We're, that's why we're here. And so we, we do this here at 2911 through corporate worship, obviously, but also small groups. Small groups. That, we'd say we're a church of small groups. And so, you know, that's who we say we are. And if you believe in the, the DNA and all this, that, then, then, hey, you need to be in a small group because that's who we say we are. You know, uh, honestly, you need to. And let me tell you again why you, can't, why you need to be. Because you know what you can't do? You know, right now, if you stood up and said, hey, pastor, I got a question. Everybody turn around and look at you really weird if you did it right now, you know. Uh, usher might come in and say, oh, sir, it's not time for that right now. You know, just like a few moments ago, I was reading the scripture about Abraham, and I said, if you got a question about that, it's a whole other subject, ask me later. You can't do that right here. If you got a prayer need, I mean, you can't really stop the service for everybody for one prayer. You can't really do that. We don't have, now after the service, we always say, you know, we say, hey, if you got a prayer need, please come. We're ready to pray for you right now. But even in that, and now this service is not an issue, but in the first two services, even that, a few minutes later, we got to hurry back into another service. So this is not the time for that, but a small group. You got an issue, everybody can stop and we can pray. Yeah. You got, you got an issue, and Clint, you know, he's got an issue, and small group say, hey, guys, let me tell you something I'm struggling with at church, at, at work. And you know what? Everybody's like, let's stop and pray with Clint. We can do that. You know, or somebody says, I don't understand. What did you say that? Orthopraxy? What? I don't understand what you're talking about here. You can ask that question in a small group, a place of encouragement. That's, that's, that's why they're so important. I mean, this is, this, is, this is a great moment, but you need so much more. What Sunday school was to me, in my generation, uh, when I was growing up, small groups are important to the generation that's coming and my generation now because you can't get people to I mean, if, if we started Sunday school next week, would you be here? Don't raise your hand and lie. <laughs> I mean, some of you, you know, some of, now, now listen, when y'all give me the excuse that you couldn't get out of bed in time to get here, and we've got an 11.30 service. <laughs> you know, I, I know if we try to start a Sunday school program, you know, here, you know, it ain't going to happen, you know. It ain't going to happen. But you still need encouragement. 
You need an understanding of the Word. You need to be able to ask questions. You need to be able to drill down and get deep enough to understand and to, and to have explained to you. And you know, you may say, well, I know a lot of that, Pastor. Okay, then you need to be the one there helping people drill down. I mean, that's what we're supposed to be here for. And, and de our deeper service, student worship, you know, these are the ways that we get together. I am not 2911. We are 2911. You help me. You make sure we stay who we say we are. It begins right here. That means it cannot be what it's supposed to be out there unless it is what it is right here in the small groups. Okay, let's go on. Hebrews chapter, I'm mean, sorry, that's Hebrews, uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 2. Jesus says, when you give to someone in need, all right, I could have given you a whole lot of scriptures on giving and giving to people in need. Uh, but here's this one right here. And Jesus said this, and what's really important about it is the first word, even though that's not underlined. It's the first word. He didn't say if. There is an assumption made by Jesus Christ that his followers will give to people in need. I think that's really why I gave, brought this scripture to you. There is an assumption made by Jesus Christ that the people who follow, follow him will see a need and say, i got to do something about this. I think one of the other reasons, this, this hit me this morning, I think one of the other reasons in, in, my, in my spirit about why I wanted to bring you this scripture is as a pastor, I have an assumption that if I say this is who we are, everybody goes out the door and they do it. And if they're not doing it, then our God acts. They're not matching our God talk. We need to fix something. I have the assumption. It's like, it's like those, uh, uh, those uh, uh, touch cards. You know what those are? If you don't know, see me and I'll explain those. See, here's another. I don't have time to explain them every Sunday, you know. But those touch cards, we printed a bunch of them because we believe you're still out there doing that. You know, that you're, you're sitting in a drive-thru and, and you're looking in the rearview mirror and you see a, a lady who is pulling her hair out over her kids, you know, and, and, and God says, buy her lunch today. And so you tell the lady at the window and you, say, and you take one of the cards you say, and, and give them this and let them know. Church 2911 is just blessing people in the community, right? We bought those. You know why we bought, we bought a bunch of those cards? You know why? Because we assume that, I mean, you know, pastor preaches it, who we say we are. There's an assumption made by me and there's an assumption made by Jesus Christ that we are who we say we are. And, and so many things there. I mean, coat drive. We've done a couple of coat drives around here. Uh, Hannah did let us in one. We have one to Sayree. Hannah let us in one to the Native, American in, uh, Native Americans. Uh, we're just ha finishing up a blanket drive right now. I got my two blankets back there. Uh, three of the girls connected to our church or have done this. You know, if you want to give a blanket drive to the homeless, I mean, you, you got time to do that. Or, or we've done diaper drives. I mean, we... we it, you know, why? Because we've seen needs and said, well, we need to do a drive. And it hit me in the first service this morning, we even did a peanut butter drive. You might not have been here for that one, but, but we found out there's a need for peanut butter in our orphanage in Romania that we support because that's a commodity that's hard to get and it's expensive. So we did a peanut. Everybody brought peanut butter. We boxed them up and we shipped them to Romania. And we blessed the little kids with, with peanut butter. And you say, oh, well, that's frivolous. Well, yeah, Christmas presents are frivolous in a way, you could say. But peanut butter is a great staple. That was a need. And then somebody said, we need to take care of this. That's the way this thing happened. That's the way we do it at 2911. 
Okay, one of the great, one of the great stories I think in my life, and if you've heard this, just uh, let your senility kick in real quick here and just act like you didn't, understand, you didn't ever heard this before, okay? But uh, one of, back from the days when my dad was pastoring, the, uh, the teacher of the, Sunday school, the teenage Sunday school class came to him one Sunday morning and said, Pastor, uh, whatever she called him, she said, uh, every Sunday morning on my way to church, I pass these little kids. They're playing in their yard. It's obvious the way they're dressed. They're dirty and muddy. They're not going to be going to church. Nobody's taking them to church the next few minutes. She said, I know they don't go to church. I see them every week. She said, and Pastor, I just believe you need to go by and invite them to church. And my dad said, I'm not going to do it. She was taken aback by that. She couldn't believe the pastor wouldn't go invite somebody to church. He said, because you're the one that God has living right down the street from him. You're the one who drives by every single Sunday. You're the one who sees those little kids not being taken to church, and you're the one that God has laid it on your heart and you can't get away from it. You're the one God has called to invite them to church. You're the one. And that's the way we do it around here. You get a, you get, you, you get a need, like, like these three young ladies, they, 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 were, they saw this need in, in, in inner city here in Birmingham. We gotta get some blankets to these people. And, and they started something. When you, get, when you have a, a desire in your heart, what you need to understand is, is that didn't just happen because I preached to you about giving to people in need. It happened because God stuck it in you and I just stirred it up. And you need to realize that God is saying, I put that need in your heart. And when you step forward, it's going to happen. You know, there's three ladies, three young ladies. It's going to happen. When you step forward, then somebody else is going to say, I was thinking the same thing. But they were too scared to step forward. Somebody has to just say, this is what God wants me to do right now and do it. Uh, Mount Olive Elementary, we gave over 100 hours of painting and moving stuff around and cleaning up. Kimberly Toys for Tots. They were going to do this anyway, but we probably doubled their, uh, their um, budget this year by our giving to Tots and Benevolence. I was looking over the list again. I think last year I did something like this. I told you a lot of the things that we have done just through Benevolence. Like I said two weeks ago. Benevolence happens around here because somebody's paying their tithes. And let me tell you, we do all kinds of things. I mean, we've, we've had dads who have lost their jobs and their kids didn't, their babies didn't have formula. And we went and bought formula for them. That, that's important. Uh, but, or we've, uh, we've had a little personal diaper drive just for that one family because they couldn't afford diapers or whatever. I, I, can't, I can't tell you all things. We, we've, had to put, we've had to put families up that have lost their home. We've had to put them up in a hotel for a night or two and, and work, it, work out with a hotel, you know, to get the best rate we could, you know, to, you know, to, to do good with God's money or, or to take some kids to, you know, to Pizza Hut to a buffet just to get them a full meal, get their belly full or something. We, we do it. Why? Because this is who we are. We believe God said, give to someone in need. We believe he assumes we give to needs. And uh, oh, I've got to hurry. Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 16, verse 15. He said to them, this is Jesus speaking, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. We believe that. He said, go into all the world. I know tons of churches that give thousands of dollars to missions, but they don't do anything themselves. We have, we, have, we have an awesome opportunity. Next year, and this is not an opportunity, it's already done. These people joined the church. The tents have just, God has just dropped them in our laps. They've joined our church. They are 2911. They are members of this church. We are going into Italy next year. Amen. Yeah, they've been there for seven years. We're going, we're going into, not just with our money. 2911 is going, our DNA is going. And his plan is one of the things with their, their house is the reason is to bring people, bring ministers back here to stay and, and, and pick up what we're doing around here in reaching people. And uh, the Bread of Life Orphans, there's too many things for me to tell you. 
That's one really on my heart, so all you got to do is ask me and, and give me about an hour, and I'll tell you, you know, all the things that we're doing there. And Abounding Grace Ministries, this is a brand new, and this is our national emphasis for next year, mission for next year, and you're going to get an opportunity to do something really small next week, the next two weeks. I mean, really, when you think about what the impact is going to be, you're going to get an opportunity to do something really small the next couple of weeks that's going to be a, have a huge impact because this is a church that their motto is, we're a church for the ones no one else wants. They have a street ministry in the lower east side of New York City. They're in the middle of the crime, right in the middle of the drug addicts, right in the middle of the homeless. They are the church for the church that no one else wants. That's the kind of ministry I want to be a part of. That's the kind of ministry I want to support. And then the Halloween thing, I mean, we, we had a, an Easter thing planned, uh, Easter event planned, and we had to cancel it, so we took some of that budget, and we just, threw it, we just threw it toward Halloween, and we just blew it out for Halloween. It was awesome. It was, it was better, and even if you're an Auburn fan, I'll say this, it was better than the Iron Bowl yesterday, okay? It was awesome, amazing. 1,400 people came by. We blew it out. And why do we do that? You know, people were asking that night. If you worked it, if you were there, you, you know people were asking. People, they were trying to pay for hot dogs. They were trying to pay for, for Cokes and coffee and things. And they were asking, why do you do You know why we do this? Because we believe that he said go into all the way. And North Jefferson County is part of the world. And I know, I know like I started to say earlier, I know tons of churches that give thousands of dollars to missions. And they won't go across the street to do something. But this is who we are. This is who we say we are. Uh, let me hurry. Romans and chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes about gifts. He writes about the motivational gifts in Romans 12. He writes about the spiritual gifts in, in uh, 1 Corinthians. Motivational gifts are kind of the reasons uh, you wonder why in the world you're different from you know, other people around you. It's because of the motivational gifts that you have in you. And in the 1 Corinthians, those gifts are the spiritual gifts. These are supernatural. This is like the supernatural power of how God wants to operate through you to do awesome things. It, supernatural. No, no, not just stuff that you can do, but stuff that God does through you. And look at what they are. Prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leading, showing mercy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, discerning of spirits, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. All of these are blessings, not to the receiver, but they're overflow blessings. Look at them. These are gifts that are given to you. These are like overflow gifts, like I preached the last couple of weeks. These are the overflow gifts that God puts in us to minister to others. Paul talks about Christians not by how much they are blessed, but by how much they serve and bless others. In 1 Peter, he, he said it this way, each of you should use whatever. I like Use whatever. <laughs> you see somebody need, just use Whatever. Whatever you can find, use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Why, why, why do we do this and why do we encourage people? Just, man, you know, we, we don't just hire and hire and hire more people and more people. Why do, we, why do we do it this way? Because we believe every single person has something awesome to do for God. That's you. And listen, there's somebody new coming in the door in the next few weeks that's going to hear that for the very first time and it'll probably blow them away. Does it still blow you away? That you have been gifted to do something awesome for God. You have. You believe that? Do you believe that? Look right there. That's the word. You've been gifted to do something awesome. And I can take you to more and more scriptures. You've been gifted to do something awesome for God. Do you believe that? If so, stand with me.
Just before you move this way. Yeah, we're about to come here. Let me ask you this. Get that person on your heart. Who is it? Move this way. Come on, let's close at the front like we normally do. Last little point, prayer and a song. Everyone is gifted to do something awesome for God. Everyone. And the most awesome thing you can do is to help someone come in contact with the power of God. We're going to sing a song in a moment about the blood of Jesus. You know what the blood of Jesus has done for you? Imagine it touching the person who you're getting on your heart right now. What that blood can do for them. In the moment we sing that song, I was thinking in the second service we were singing, I mean, man, we're celebrating the blood. Celebrate the blood because it's, it's what's going to make a difference in somebody's life. I want you to do three things real quick, okay? Three things. I want you to get somebody on your heart. Do you know who it is? Now, secondly, I want to ask you, can I pray with you about that person? I'm going to pray right now in just a minute, but can I really pray with you about that person? I want you to see my email address right up there. If you know what church you attend, then you ought to be able to remember that email address, okay? No colon because they don't allow them, you know, any email addresses yet. No, I don't know if they ever will, but I mean, it kind of messes things up, put a colon in there. Pastor at church2911.com. Send me an email. Count it up. I'm expecting to receive this many emails this, this afternoon. Somebody told me they had to go to work. It'll be tomorrow before they get theirs to me. I'm expecting to receive this many emails. I want to help you pray about the person that's on your heart right now that God laid on your heart. Okay, I expect to receive that many emails. I want to pray, and I want to share it with the prayer team, okay? And so share as much as, I'll share a little with the prayer team if you go into great detail. If you write me a book, it might be a while before you hear back from me, you know, but just, just give me some, enough that I can pray with you about that, okay? So you're getting somebody on your heart. I want you to tell me about it so I can pray with you. Not, not pray for you, pray with you. Here's the last thing. I told you I want you to do three things. Get somebody on your heart. Let, tell me about him. And this verse right here, this is, this is uh, right in the middle of that. Right after uh, James was talking about Abraham, remember that little bit of the story? This is still the message right here. He says, the same with Rahab, who was a harlot, the Jericho harlot. Wasn't her action in hiding God's spies and helping them escape, that seamless unity of believing and doing, wasn't that what counted with God? Wasn't that what counted with God? It is not enough for us to write somebody's name on a wall. It is not enough for you to have them in your heart and even say a prayer over them. you got to do something. She didn't just believe. It said, now, if you go back and read the story, she believed God, but that's not what saved the guys. She acted on that faith. If she had not acted on that faith, those guys would have died. Same thing with the person that's in your heart right now. It's not enough for you to just have them in your heart. It's not enough for you to just believe that the blood of Jesus can do for them what it's done for you. You got to do something. So, so let, me, let, me, let me give you a suggestion. Invite them to something here. Invite them to something here. Now, if they don't live anywhere around here, invite them to something where they live. But invite, we've got small groups, and I know most of them are wrapping up for the end of the year. I'm still, I've still got one this Saturday, so if you, if you are a male, and we'd let some ladies come. If you want to talk a little bit of football, you can. But I mean, this, it's a, come this Saturday. And I've told small group leaders, everyone I can get to, hey, please do something one more thing in December. Do something Christmas or whatever as an excuse. And if, so if you attend a small group, invite somebody. And if you hadn't been attending, but you want to come, bring that person with you Sunday. Especially, guys, if you got somebody that needs to be in church, needs to know there are some Christian men around, man, bring them Saturday to Chick-fil-A at 8.15. Uh, but let me tell you this. If they need salvation, invite them to the Christmas sermon series. Especially 
the sermon right before Christmas. And you say, oh, they'd never come. 80% of people who don't attend church said they would go if somebody invited them. And the best time to invite them, you know when? Christmas. That sermon, they need to hear that sermon if there's anyone. If, you got, if, you, if somebody's on your heart today that, that's got troubles and problems, start inviting them now. They need to be here for the January sermon series. Almost every year I preach something about problems and troubles and getting over them and everything. Hey, it's a new year, turn over a new leaf, uh, New Year's resolutions, that kind of want 2014 to be better than 2013, that kind of stuff. Doing that again this year. If, you, if somebody on your heart's got problems, then ask God to open a door. That could be something I can pray with you this week. For God to open a door for you to start inviting. And then small groups start kicking off again in January. And so invite them to something. Because it's not enough to write their name on the wall. It's not enough to send a pastor an email and say, pray for this person. Do something. You've got to mesh. You've got to mesh your belief with your actions. If you want to see God do something amazing. They're going to lead us in a final song. We're going to celebrate the blood and what it's done in our life. And we're going to look in faith as we sing this song to what God is going to do.